This is a podcast from The Bugle. If you go into the woods today, prepare for a big surprise. If you go into the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was is gathered there for certain because today's the day the teddy bears listen to the gargle. Hello, this is the gargle. The Sonic Glossy Magazine to the Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. I am your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Alison Spittle. Bew, 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 bew. That was less uh, intense mouth noises than you normally bring. Well, I was doing quite intense hand noises because I hear that we're going to be on YouTube. So bringing the vocals back, putting a bit of uh, hand stuff in, you know, as usual. As usual. Uh, Yeah, I feel like you're adding that extra dimensionality of of hand gestures that make your comedy so well-known. Handsy spittle, they call you. They do, they do. I'm going to get cancelled one day. And Jos Norris. Hello. Jos Norris, welcome back. I I panicked while you were talking about hand stuff and I was trying to think of how to embellish my hello eventually and I just went for the first thing that popped into my head. So I hope it was okay. It was totally very acceptable. Totally yeah, it fine. was fine. It was fine. I thought. I mean, we can workshop it later if yeah. you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do yeah. that. I give it two thumbs up. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, great. Oh, excellent. Before we link pinkies and plunge our hands into the top stories of this week, let's have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is May Musk, mother of Elon, who this week claimed online to have cancelled the projected cage match between her son Elon Musk and uh, his fremesis, frenemy nemesis, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, They they were planning uh, to do a cage match, which, you know... I don't, I don't know how I, f- I would have felt about it, but we know how May Musk felt about it. She did not want her son in a in a hexagon or an octagon, punching no. her boy, uh, a man significantly younger well. and fitter than himself. Yeah. So uh, she pulled the plug, or she is the uh, delicate veil over which uh, that has been pulled over the negotiations in which they both agreed to pull the plug. Because I feel like who wins that cage match? Mm, unless they both kill each other and then the world yeah uh, but <laughs> I think as well it just sounds like the least hardest thing of that I would have fought you but my mum has intervened yeah you know <laughs> it feels very eight years old at the local youth club well I feel like I feel like the match itself feels very eight year old so it's appropriate that uh, <laughs> mummy has stepped in and prevented it from happening were they really gonna do it they were like hiring a cage and stuff it wasn't like a bit. Because <laughs> oh, wow. that's mad if they were going to I'm pretty to do sure it. they have people to hire cages for. for yeah, yeah, they could. <laughs> They've got the resources. Yeah, I bet he's got, he got his mum onto it. He was like, well, I can't pull out of this, but it'll look sweet. <laughs> they were allegedly planning on doing it at the Vegas Octagon, and the UFC president, Dana White, was dead serious about the potential match because I assume he would have been able to, spend, uh, to sell many, many, many millions of dollars worth of tickets both from people who like Elon... This is the thing, as, a, as an entertainment spectacle, people who like Elon Musk and or Mark Zuckerberg and people who hate yes. Mark yes, Zuckerberg clever. and or Elon Musk would have really been in, in for it. So, Are there yeah. people who are indifferent to either of them? I don't think there are. I think everyone... I think that's everyone on the planet either likes or dislikes them, right? His mother. Yeah. Their mothers. So oh, yeah, they're, they're indifferent. <laughs> their fathers as well. Hence... Hence the billionaire status. 
And the satirical cartoon this week is a picture of a cricketer in whites and a water polo player in speedos. And the headline of the satirical cartoon is Sex in Sport. The subheadline is How Sexy Should Athletes Be Allowed to Be? The second <coughs> subheadline is Yes, This is the Real Culture War. Should Professional Athletes Be Allowed to Be Bangable? And How? <laughs> <laughs> this is about, you know, did you see that Lance Armstrong uh, has, is launching a series about whether trans people taking hormones should be allowed to compete in sport? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like it's like um, Lance is like, now it's my time to shine. And uh, everybody's just been dunking on him this past week. Uh, he's been dunked harder than... Well, uh, of all the people who should have opinions on the use of hormones in sport, <laughs> yeah. he is either the most or the least qualified. <laughs> but certainly on the, on the realm of fairness in sport, he's probably mm. the least qualified. Our top story this week is the Dancy Lagarde Reader has been funded. So uh, it's a real book that's going to happen. That's a a real thing. If you want to purchase a copy pre-sale of the Dancy Lagarde Reader, you can do that. If you go to unbound.com and search in their bar for the Dancy Lagarde Reader or Alice Fraser or Dancy Lagarde or any combination of those words, you can uh, support the project. You can buy your own copy in a pre-sale uh, it is definitely going to happen we are now more than 120 percent funded so wow uh yep if you want a copy go there and do that your next top story uh that's actual human news is social psychology gaming news this is the news that male gamers increase their effort when competing against female characters even if the characters are being played by gamers who are men uh, wow which is an interesting social psychological fact and very much borne out by the fact that when my brother invited his friends around for N64 tournaments uh, and we played GoldenEye, they would all just back uh, my player, Xenia, on a top into the corner and shoot her until she was dead. So <laughs> <laughs> She had quite powerful thighs, though. I understand they had to get rid of that threat. It's, uh... They don't tell you that the powerful thighs are no protection against bullets. <laughs> Did they put the thighs into the game? Was that like a feature? If you played as her, could you use the thighs? Or did they not think about that? Yeah, it's been such a long time since I've played that game. I never played it. I never got into it. I wasn't allowed. It was very violent. They've utilised the thighs or the tits. You know what I mean? If you like (laughs) flash James Bond and then, you know, (laughs) killed him. Um, Yeah, it's such a... This is a story um, that kind of... I don't think I've thought about it before, but you ever read a kind of uh, pop psychological story and you're like, that checks out. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so that dudes um, dudes absolutely pummel and destroy uh, characters that are women. And um, I think it comes from the idea of maybe heterosexual men trying to show that they are tough and that they can provide by doing as well on uh, Call of Duty as possible. I think there's probably, like, there's going to be many kind of meet cute stories where children ask their parents, um, oh, how did you meet? And, uh, you know, your father absolutely dominated me on uh, Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) I just knew he was the one. (laughs) It made me think of, um, you you know, those nature documentaries where they talk about birds that do, like, elaborate, courtship rituals like you know you've got like the bower birds and then it builds like a beautiful nest out of like glass beads and things mm. and i was thinking like what kind of species that might emerge out of the ashes of like 
humans. If there's a future society that looks back on us and makes a documentary about us and then goes, oh, and then the, the male has to like select his character out of a warrior or a cleric or a sorcerer or something. And then he absolutely bashes the shit out of the female players. And she's just really impressed by that. She thinks it just made me sad. It just made me think like this doesn't look good in history. Yeah, like to be looking at the person, go, her glands are getting warm every time he uh, <laughs> does well. In, uh, Casts yeah. a high-ranking spell. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really compete with a single red rose left on no. the doorstep. <laughs> no, but I do have to admit, when I was younger, I think I was about eleven, there was this boy that was really good at snake, like he would play. <laughs> And the Nokia 3210. And I did fancy him. And I think it was because, well, I have very low self-esteem, number one. But also because he he had an interest in a hobby that he loved. And uh, so I can kind of, I mean, we are, I am talking about this from such a heteronormative point of view. uh, That I think, you know, the, the, the guys dominate the girls. Unless they're like misogynists they could be both can't they you could be attracted to women and a misogynist can't you yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty sure you can i i have a joke where it, in my show where i say oh he, who here likes women and then i pause and i say who here wants to bang women and it's a slightly different demographic wow <laughs> snake's kind of different because snake's not hurting anyone you know like snake's such a self-contained world He's mm. just sort of master of his own kingdom, that kid. Snake you get really good at Snake and then himself. you just, you know, yes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like the men who play video games quite a lot. They're actually yeah. only hurt themselves. It's why. Well, I th- the, it, the research is really interesting. Women perform better when they actively concealed their gender. But mm. when women play, it doesn't matter what gender they're playing against. It doesn't affect their performances. But men get an, a boost in performance when they're competing against women because of their need to impress and or destroy (laughs) why not both (laughs) it also said it said that one of the flaws in this study was that all the data was self-reported and also most of it was talking about effort rather than necessarily like whether they they did better so i also kind of imagined that like they might have still done really badly and lost but what what they did do with then all of them self-reported is going oh no but i tried really hard i put loads of effort into it i promise so it was they might have been shit but it just it made them feel more self-conscious about being shit possibly (laughs) (laughs) i was really trying (laughs) your ad section now because you can't be what you can't buy or can you if what you want to be is in this ad section, you can buy an ad here in this ad space. If you're the kind of person that has things or concepts to sell and wants people to buy those things, if you've dreamed of having me read an ad for one of your real products and services and or services, I guess, on this illustrious program, email us at hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Zebra, the angriest, most beautiful, horse-adjacent, decorative pet choice. A live zebra is the home decor for those who like a challenge but don't like not getting kicked in the head. (laughs) Zebras. And do you walk down the street on your footsticks worrying about stuff? Are you often annoyed by noises you didn't invite into your ear holes? Are you tired of being fully present in your body while doing the laundry? Try podcasts. Podcasts, the way to make talking happen inside your forehead and with strangers. Podcasts, the friends you've never made. (laughs) 
Did you know the manufacturing process for a 32 megabyte computer memory chip takes close to 32 litres of water? The output for the average factory in this industry is close to 2 million integrated circuits. That level of production requires over 20 million gallons of water every single month. Think about that the next time you drink half a glass of water. Half a glass of water. Meaningless on an industrial scale. Now it's time for pet news. This is the news uh, that billionaires have had to take down an ad for a a pet nanny because they were swamped with applications, uh, which means that they had 120, they were offering $127,000 a year pet nanny role. Uh, Joss Mm. Norris, you've seen a pet before. Can you unpack this story? Yeah, yeah, I've seen these guys. Uh, So, my favourite thing about this story is they they got 400. The agency said that they'd never had an advert for a dog nanny before. So, it doesn't exist as a job, it's not really a thing. Um, And then, after they put up this advert, because of the the fee attached to it, they had 400 applications. Um, It's a terrible job. Everything about the job makes it sound dreadful. They said you get six weeks' holiday, but you might not get that because your duty is always to the dogs. So if ever you need to do anything, you need to drop your private life and just do that. Uh, And I was thinking within the 400 people that apply, you're obviously going to get a lot of kind of chances in there that are just like, oh, I want the money. But presumably there'll also be people in there who are like top experts on animal care. But then there's a bit in the ad where I think the family have really kind of muddied the waters for what they're looking for. Because there's a bit where they say the ideal candidate would be perfect, uh, would be able to blend in perfectly into the background and then pop out when required. So they also want somebody to have developed, like, the skills of a master of disguise. I was kind of picturing that, like, it's obviously, like, billionaires that are putting this job out there. So you go around and, like, maybe there's a hallway lined with suits of armour and you kind of go, wow, these guys are cool. And then a dog runs out and is sick and then one of the suits of armour, like, leaps into life and there's a dog nanny in there. Or also, the you know, those... You know, in a haunted house, you have the paintings with the spooky eyes and they're kind of looking out through the eyes. Yeah. I imagined maybe that as well, but you're sort of stationed behind that. So you really have to kind of make your entire life secondary to this job. And I can imagine that in the interview, they, you know, you'd impress them with all your kind of list of CV stuff about how many animals you've looked after. Mm. And then they'll ask you, like, are you a master of disguise? And you go, oh, no, because I didn't. At no point did I think that I would need to become a master of disguise in order to get this job. I just think they're they're making problems for themselves that will make it harder to get the candidate they want. Well, also, they're looking for an applicant who has the ability to handle sensitive information with the utmost discretion yes. and confidentiality. Yeah, which doesn't sound great. I know. It, it, I got a feeling like any any job for a billionaire and you're getting paid over 100 grand, there's going to be some human rights violations in there. Yeah, there's some hush money in there. <laughs> there is some absolute hush money. A dog shitting on a, a 10,000 quid rug is not the worst thing you're going to see during that job. <laughs> There's going to be you're going to need some uh, you're going to need some uh, counselling after. I feel like the 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 wage that they're they're giving you is definitely to cover your aftercare yeah. after dealing with these dogs. <laughs> I have rich friends and I've looked after cats for my friends. Now these cats, um, they're expensive cats. They're hypoallergenic. Um, they they also have to. They also shit into a machine, and I've looked it up. The machine what? costs. What? Yeah. What? They just follow the Roomba around, or <laughs> it's not. A, imagine a Roomba. That would be the most decrepit lifestyle for any Roomba. <laughs> just following a cat. Like if that was a Henry the Hoover, it would have a very sad face on it. Like just following that cat around, sucking up its boo. 
But um, no, there's machines. I've seen two of them for two of my mates, separate mates. And uh, it's kind of like, what's it shaped like? It's shaped like a ball, like an eyeball. And the cat goes into the eyeball and then poos into it, walks out and it rotates and kind of sloshes the crap into uh, into this like sand sand pit underneath. It's it's ever so strange. So I've looked after cats uh, from a mate. Love doing it. But I can tell you now, <laughs> I get very anxious because those cats are expensive, and it's and and they also it's like looking at money that can move and throw itself under a lorry. You know what I mean? And you're like no. <laughs> I feel like my first question if I were an applicant for this job is what happened to the last dog nanny? <laughs> yes, yes, what did happen to the... And also, it's so much money. And these are only two dogs. These are in the 1% of dogs. Like, with that money, I think those billionaires could buy every stray dog in the country a dentist sticks. Do you know what I mean? Give them a little treat. Why is it only two, two dogs? And what kind of dogs are these? Yeah, the, the breed is not specified. Yeah, they've not. They've refused to to comment on the breed. On the breed. Yeah, they were asked, yeah. and it said they've you not responded to requests Jurassic for comment. Jurassic Park Eight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, they're massive and they're f***ing horrible. <laughs> Hope that's okay. I bet these whatever whatever dogs they are. I bet they're they're getting those. You know those little individual foil dog foods that slip out oh, like yeah. a fruit. <laughs> like that's what they're having. Or it could be, imagine if it's two people just dressed as dogs. Maybe that's why they want discretion. Maybe you have to look after... You reckon it is just the billionaires? I, I, reckon, I reckon it's two mates and the billionaires, uh, Bill and Bob, and they go around with leads, and that's why you need your discretion, uh, because they're two humans. That's, that's my suspicion. I, I'm sorry to deflate your balloon, but there are people who would pay for that job. Uh. <laughs> And now it's time for your reviews section. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring something to review out of five stars. Jaws, what have you brought in for us this week? Uh, I'm reviewing a new movie that I've seen recently. I've, uh, I'm reviewing uh, the latest legacy sequel that's coming out. I've written my review here, so uh, here we go. Uh, we were delighted by the further adventures of an elderly Han Solo in The Force Awakens. We were thrilled by the further adventures of an elderly Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick. Now, I've been lucky enough to watch an early screening of the next belated legacy sequel to a beloved movie property, and that's Forrest Gump 2, which uh, is coming out at some point in the future. Uh, In 1994, American values and good old-fashioned conservative American patriotism were assumed to be more or less equivalent to broader moral values like kindness and dignity and love. So we all adored Tom Hanks' beautiful performance as the all-American dope with the heart of gold who just sort of moved through the world with nothing other than love for his country and his immediate nuclear family. Uh, In 2023, then, we're all going to love watching an increasingly decrepit and intolerant gump just blundering through the 90s and the noughties and the 10s, clumsily inserted into archive footage and inadvertently causing 9-11, the global financial crash, Brexit and the rise of Trump, (laughs) but all in the name of love and kindness. Uh, at one point he says, Mama always used to say that life was like a box of chocolates, but you probably can't say that anymore. He grumbles in one scene <laughs> before seeing something that he doesn't like or recognise on telly and complaining about how woke everything's become these days. Uh, 
Also, if you don't cry at the gratuitous scene featuring Jenny's return as a force ghost, then you must have a heart of stone. Uh, and in Forrest Gump 2, Gump might not always say the right thing, but at least his heart is in the right place. Um, I give it five stars out of five, and I do recommend that everyone sticks around for the post credit scene as well, where Lieutenant Dan returns to recruit Forrest into the Avengers. There's going to be a really exciting kind of crossover <laughs> event coming up, I think. It's really great. It might get shelved. It might not come out. So mm. if, if you don't hear about it, that's probably why. But I, I loved it. I thought it was really great. How do you think Forrest Gump would deal with uh, the ousting of Nasty Nick from Big Brother 1? Oh, I think he'd have. I think it would have broken his heart. It would have, yeah. I think that would have been. The nation. <laughs> <laughs> Alison Spittle, what have you brought in for us this week? I've got some art. Uh, so, I was at a gig last night, and this lady called Lou, Lou Blakeway, uh, did a painting of me. Oh, I don't wow. want to take it out of the. Uh, bubble wrap because I quite like it like that. I'd like to. I think I'd like to keep it with the bubble wrap on. Um, but uh, I think I'd like to review the concept of me being an art. I love it. Uh, people that don't, you know, I've I've been I've been the subject of uh, a lot of people's art. Some of it have been, if I'm being honest with you, uh, quite destroying for my for my self esteem. You know, like if you if you are an artist and you think it doesn't depict this person in the best light physically, don't show it to them. You know, there's no need. So, but I've been very lucky and Lee Blakeway made a painting of me and I'm going to give her five stars out of five. That's pretty cool. I mean, this is the great thing. Normally, if you or I are in art, it's because it's the art that we're doing on stage. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I've got to tell you actually, one time, this is years ago, I was living in this flat and the only way that you could like uh, contact the flat was by the buzzer via the, the front door. But I got a knock on my actual front door and I was like, who's this? Because I was like, and they're not coming from the street. And it was this little boy and um, he was really shy and his mum was beside him. And it was a little, uh, mo- uh, not a montage, what do they call it? Where you put loads of photos onto a piece of collage. paper. A collage. He made a collage of me with like my name across it and it said at the back, because I think I was on TV in Ireland at the time and it said like, uh, uh, like uh, to my favourite TV presenter and I was like oh that's cool that's very nice and then his mother was beside him and she goes uh, my husband made that and then I looked down <laughs> and her husband was down the side of the hallway and I kept looking at the little boy pretending that he had made uh, the college because <laughs> I didn't want to engage with the husband <laughs> but I still have that my mum has that in her downstairs bathroom so, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a weird story. <laughs> there is a very sad uh, portrait of me that was done for the Archibald Portrait Prize in Australia where I, I met uh, I met the artist at a music festival and I was really, like, ebullient backstage. Uh, and then he said, oh, I'd love to paint you for the Archibald. And then he got me for the sitting. But in the meantime, my mum had gone into the palliative care ward. Beautiful. So he kept trying to <laughs> che- cheer me up so that he could get the uh, mood from me that he wanted and eventually he had to fold and just be like nope it's Alice Fraser with a thousand yards stare <laughs> just looking real grim I'm sorry that I laughed at the word palette of care but like <laughs> it is pretty funny yeah. in that context I mean if you take it purely from his perspective as an artist yeah. uh, what he was looking was uh, what he was looking for was Zazzy backstage Alice <laughs> and what he got was uh, extremely sad Alice <laughs> 
Now it's time for your space news, and this is the news that a study has discovered exactly how the immune system of astronauts breaks down in space, uh, presumably similarly to the way that toddlers' immune systems immediately break down on contact with daycare. Uh, it looks like uh, the moment you get into space, you, you start to collapse as a physical specimen. Jaws Norris, you've meditated on the aching void between the stars before. Can oh, you yeah. unpack this story for us? Yeah, well, I, so I had quite a funny reaction to this story because I read this article and I was trying to think of, you know, what can I say about this story that's sort of fun and, and interesting. And basically the whole article is just a long list of all the ways in which uh, astronauts are, are sort of like their immune system falls apart as soon as they get out there and then there was another thing about like they spread it in pathogens in their urine so when they're up there all the other astronauts are going to get it as well and they're all just going to get sicker and sicker and it was making me feel quite sad reading it I was like this is a bit of a bummer this one so I was trying to work out what to do and then I thought wait how many astronauts are there and I looked it up and it turns out there are only 600 people have ever been to space that's it and there's never more than like six at, at any one time and then I looked at how many people have ever existed, and it's 117 billion. And then I tried to work out the number of astronauts as a, as a fraction. And then you know when the number's so small that it can't be a number anymore, and they have to put the letter E into it? To, to, and I don't even know what that means. It just means that it's tiny. So the percentage of people that have ever existed that have actually gone to space is, is infinitesimally small. So then I started thinking, well, this just doesn't matter very much, you know? Like, it's not, um, it's not like they're minors, and they're sort of like it's the only job available in a small community and it's essential for society and they have to go down there and they're put in hazardous conditions and then they're underpaid. Like it's just a few people who like decided to go to space. Nobody told them to go to space. They're all quite well paid. And then I started getting angry about it. I was like, nobody, these guys aren't key workers. And in lockdown, we weren't like clapping for astronauts outside <laughs> our houses every day. And then when you think about space, I was like, you look at space, and you're like, of course, it's bad for you to go to space. If you look out now, like if you're listening to this now and it's night, then look up there and look at the kind of infinite black void and think about like, oh, I wonder if it would be good for me to go up there. Like, of course, of course, it's going to be awful and your body's going to fall apart. So I just I then got really angry and was like, why? Why do we care that like a few people who have been to space get ill? And then I thought I'm massively overreacting to this. This is this is silly. Uh and then after I'd been through those sort of extremes of emotion, like extremely sad and then extremely angry about it, I realised actually I just feel quite neutrally about the whole story. I don't really have <laughs> a, a stance on it, I don't think. It's strange because like just you were, you were talking about uh, the kind of uselessness of astronauts. Yeah. And then there's a part of me that was thinking, have you not seen the film Armageddon? We will be relying oh, on right, these. you're right, you're right. But they're not astronauts, they're, they're drillers. That's true, but I mean, the astronauts... They don't even use the astronauts in that That's film. Do you know what? You're right, actually. We don't them. need them. <laughs> yeah. We really don't need them. Well, and also then think about the fact that the only thing holding our atmosphere... Uh, in breathing distance of us is uh, the gravitational pull of the Earth and that we've pulled up so much bore water that's changed the axis of the Earth's spin. Uh, what? Let that worry Have you we? at all. That sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> it does, but luckily I'm not educated enough to know exactly how bad what and in means. what way bad. It just yeah. sounds vaguely bad. So I can just worry about it in an amorphous way rather than a really specific and obsessive way. I just, the more I thought about it, I was thinking, like, do we, do we, are they useful, astronauts? What do they do? They go to the moon, which is sort of like, nah. and then maybe they do some stuff on satellites, which I guess is quite they good. They inspire youth. That's true. That's true. I met an astronaut on an Irish TV show. Is it, is it Chris Hadfield? 
Oh yeah, he's supposed to he's be quite good. I've got his book. And uh, my uncle was backstage, and he was—he's uh, quite—he's quite an outgoing man. And he ran up to Chris, and he's like, "Tell me, tell me they exist." And Chris, <laughs> Chris just winked at him, and he goes, "That's all I need to know, son. That's all I need to know." So I don't know <laughs> what that means or what they were communicating, but uh... <laughs> fantastic. And now it's time for fake priest news now. This is the news that a Californian taco chain have been ordered to pay $70,000 in damages, that's American dollars, uh, to employees who uh, were asked to meet with a priest and confess their sins. And it turns out that the priest was not a real priest. Uh, Alison Spittle, you understand religion. Please explain this story to me. I absolutely love this. So this was a company called Taqueria Garibaldi, which at first I thought, wow, biscuit tacos would love it. Uh, it would be a great idea. Um, so this was this was this was a company. I mean, if we're going to be frank here, I don't think. And not only did they bring a fake priest in, but I think they're not the best at uh, employee practices. Um, they brought in a priest, a fake priest, and I love this. As soon as the confession started, so Maria Para, an employee of Taqueria Garibaldi, said, as soon as the confession started, I found a conversation to be strange and unlike normal confessions, where I would tell a priest about the sins I wanted to confess. The employee added that the priest was only interested in hearing of sins committed on the job and it's like, <laughs> um, so like you know the sins uh like this is a catholic religion i i was a catholic uh you know the normal kind of sins you get disrespecting your parents that's a big one lying and taking the lord's name in vain um and there's not much about labor laws in the ten commandments <laughs> uh there's not much of like you know, uh, thou shall not go to the toilet on the work on the on the boss's time. You know, go during your breaks or whatever. Um, it just it just seems like they, these are uh, bad practice. Also, like I've heard of companies putting on free pizza days, dress down Fridays, uh, bringing in a priest. It just <laughs> it just made me question uh, this workplace kind of ethos and environment. Well, you're right to question. The Department of Labor only uncovered the fake priest uh, when they were in the midst of investigating a claim about unpaid wages. So this uh, Takaria <laughs> is now going to pay not only $70,000 in damages for the priest trick, but also $70,000 in back pay to the employees and $5,000 in civil money penalties to the Department of Labor due to the willful nature of their violations. When you've got an extra penalty for just being a shit, yes. like that's, that's $5,000 for just being yeah. a shit there in that uh, that's got a sting man jaws I, I quite liked the idea like obviously in this specific instance this has been done by a crook as like a pretext to to dock his workers pay and to be like oh well i found out about this thing that you did on your lunch break so now i'm not going to pay you so this guy's a piece of shit but i actually i was thinking there's something quite fun about the idea of a priest coming in and getting out all the kind of workplace sins like i think if, if you used it not as a kind of pretext for punishment, but as a reward of like, it's been a stressful week, you know, everyone's been a, got wound up by little things everyone else has done. Let's get the priest in. And then we all go in one on one. We all kind of vent your frustrations. You get your sins about like, oh, but then I did this. So that's that's not good. Like I've had jobs where I think if there was a priest that came in, 
once a week. I, I think I'd now be be a Christian. I'd be quite a devout Christian if that had, even if the priest was fake. <laughs> what do you mean, like brand awareness? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a part of me that looks at it and goes, like, how would you not know uh, that this priest was fake? But then you know. As a Catholic, I know that the, the the Catholic clergy have always been on the side of big capitalism and stuff. They've never the Catholic Church have never picked the right side in any of the look look at look at World War <laughs> Two. You know they're not they're not the best. They're always on the side of the oppressor. Um, and sorry, sorry to get ranted. They're very you know there's aspects of it that I like. Uh, love the communion that was tasty, but the idea as well of like when you said jazz. Uh, you know the church, the Catholic Church, and reward and not punishment. I was like, that's not how it works at yeah, it all. Doesn't mate. Really, it doesn't really no, <laughs> it's all punishment, baby. That's the way yeah. we like it. You know, the reward is slightly less punishment. Yes. <laughs> all right, that brings us to the end of today's show. I'm flipping through the ad section at the back of the magazine uh, we have the unbound.com Dancy Lagarde reader still funding if you want pre-sales for the book that is now definitely 100% going to happen uh, Jos Norris have you got anything to plug I've got uh, I'm recording my two most recent live shows in the middle of July for Go Faster Stripe which is a great website wow. that sells comedy downloads DVDs and things so it's a whole day of shows I'm doing my two shows in the middle but also John Luke Roberts is doing his last show which is brilliant uh, Sean Morley and Benjamin Olber are doing a very weird thing about Terry Wogan trying to escape from hell. Uh, so it's four days of really great shows. Uh, you can either buy for individual shows or buy an all-day ticket. Um, so if you go on my Twitter, there should be a ticket link for that. We're recording them at the Moth Club on the 16th of July. Come along, if you I like. will. I will come along. I'm oh, very thank excited you. about I meant it. listeners, but that's really kind. Thanks. And Alison Spittle, have you got anything to plug? Oh, i got a big plug, baby. Uh, it's the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, 125 every day at the Hive One with Monkey Barrel. I'm going to be doing a show called Soup. I'm doing some whips in the run up to that in July. Uh, but the big plug is Soup. I've made some tote bags. I'm going to sell them. Um, I, I hope that I haven't bought too many tote bags. I've made, I may financially destroy myself with these tote bags. And uh, yeah, come along and see me. Uh, go to Alison Spittle on Instagram and there's a lovely link tree there. And that's where you'll find all of the information. And uh, big thanks to both of our guest editors for this week's magazine, Alison Spittle and Jos Norris, as well as thanks to our roving reporters, C-Lips and VB, who sent in the gaming, dog nanny and fake priest stories, respectively. I'm Alice Fraser. You can find me online at patreon.com slash Fraser, where I do a weekly writer's meeting and workshop if you want to write with me, as well as a bunch of other things. Patreon.com slash Fraser is the place to go. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.